This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Metcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode 13. Hey everyone, welcome to the Relationships Made Easy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Abby Medcalf, and today is a great show. So I I need you to get ready, sit down, keep driving, focus, whatever you're doing, because you're going to have two big things you're going to learn today, and they're so important in your life, you know, overall, right? They are the five signs that you're in an unhealthy relationship. So this is how to know if you're in an unhealthy relationship. And this definitely can be your partner, but could also be if you're in an unhealthy relationship with your mom or your boss or your sister or friend or somebody else also. And the five ways to fix it if you're in an unhealthy relationship, the five ways out. So it's clear, clean today. I'm going to take you into the to the bad stuff and take you out with the good stuff. That's how we're going to do today. So, and we're going to just jump right in because there's no reason to to hang around. You're busy. You got lots of stuff going on. You don't want to hear me jibber jabber about nothing. So here we go. (laughs) So I'm going to start with the five signs that you're in an unhealthy relationship. And I uh, use this fabulous little acronym that I created called CRAVE. So you can remember the pieces about whether or not you're in an unhealthy relationship. C-R-A-V-E. Those are the five signs. So let's start with C. The number one sign that you're in an unhealthy relationship is, drumroll, I'm going to do it on my desk, uh, criticism. If you're always criticizing your partner or if they're often criticizing you, it's a problem. If you or your partner are constantly evaluating, reviewing, judging, it's going to create a rift in your relationship. It's just 
how it goes. So you really want to think about this. You know, why is the focus on the other person's behavior? Because that's what criticizing is. You know, who died and made you or your partner boss? Who, who, what's the deal? When any of us get in a position of believing we're right and then go about cutting down another person, what does it lead to? You know, resentment, anger, and hurt. And if you're trying to build a love relationship and you've got resentment, anger, and hurt, I don't, I don't see how that's going to happen. So, and we criticize very often and, uh, or, or in ways that are really unconscious, subconscious in very kind of sneaky ways. And so a lot of times we're criticizing and don't realize we're criticizing. So uh, my mother <laughs> used to say things to me. I think she still does actually. She'll say, um, oh, are you just going to wear that while we go out? <laughs> are you going to change? <laughs> uh, you know, there's a good one, right? And that's a subtle criticism. Or uh, whenever I wear my hair in a ponytail, my, my mother loves it. And she'll say something like, uh, wow, oh, you can see your face. You know, you really, it's so beautiful when your hair is pulled back. You know, I don't know why you don't do that all the time. And it, again, some of it's the tone it's, <laughs> and some of it's what she says, but... Um, I, I definitely can hear this sort of criticism, even though she's not outwardly saying, you know, your hair looks terrible or I don't like your outfit. I can still get it. And you do this with your partner and your partner does it with you. Where there's just this subtle sort of criticism going on, it could be, um, oh, I see you redid the front flowers. Um, yeah, doesn't Joan's house look a little better? Did, did you think maybe of doing that? Or maybe they're saying, oh, I see you did it just like Joan did. Oh. <laughs> and again, it's the tone, but it, there's this way that we can kind of subtly criticize. And then obviously there's just outright, I don't like how you did this. You know, couldn't you have done it this way? Usually the criticism comes with some coulds and some shoulds. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Usually we hear some of that along with criticism. And I want you to think about when someone criticizes you or when you feel criticized, whether they meant it or not. When you feel criticized, do you feel like you want to connect? Do you feel like, you know, this is your person? Do you feel lovey and warm and squishy? No. You get defensive, angry, you build resentment. Criticism is really a kind of nasty way to go. And folks know that I have a Another thing I say a lot, another little acronym I say, which is don't sack your relationship. Don't offer suggestions, give advice, or criticize. The criticize is there too. The criticism is just really never the thing. Now, I, I have people sometimes all the time who go, well, that's fine, but what, <laughs> what should I do? And, and again, I'll get into some signs of being in a healthy relationship or things to do to stay in a healthy relationship in a minute, but... I will say, instead of criticizing, ask a question. If you don't like how something is, if you're not sure you know, why someone did something a certain way, ask questions to find out. Instead of dis- what, what you're doing is instead of deciding that you're right, you're actually opening it up to that you might not be right. It's not about right or wrong. It's about trying to understand why the other person did what they did, why your partner in this case, you know, uh, I'm generally talking about partners, do what they do. So... And again, even with my mom, I could maybe ask a question. Uh, the other thing I can do is remember that that criticism is about her, not me. That what, why does she feel a need to criticize me? Where is that coming from? What is that about? And you can even ask a question about that. So what I have said to my mother is, 
how do you think it makes me feel when you tell me that I should go change my clothes? I've said that to her. It's a question. I want to know how, what is she trying to do? What's her goal? Is she trying to make me feel bad? Is she not? Is she just unaware? Uh, What's going on? How can we change the interaction? And the way to change the interaction always is to ask questions because, and this is a biggie, you cannot give someone an aha. It doesn't work that way. You don't tell them something and then they go, oh, now I see that I've been subtly undermining you for years. Oh, now I see that I've been criticizing you. That's not what people do. And they might in a moment say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that or whatever, and that's fine. But it's just going to come up again unless they can truly get to the what and the why, you know, underneath what they're saying. And the only way they get there is for you to ask questions, for you to, to try to figure out what the motivation was or, you know, where they were coming from or try to understand it. And the only way to do that is to ask questions. Okay. So that's the number one sign you're in an unhealthy relationship when there's a lot of criticism going either way. The number two sign you're in an unhealthy relationship, and this is the R of Crave, is reading minds. This is one of my favorites. Don't expect anyone to read your mind. And also remember that you can't read anyone else's mind either. So I hear things all the time where people will say, oh, I know what she's going to say, so I'm not going to say it. Uh, Or I shouldn't have to say it. He should know. That kind of stuff. Uh, No, stop that. I want to smack you across the face there. No, no, no. (laughs) You don't know. I know. You think you know, but you don't know. You're sure that I know what they're going to say. You know, there's a probability that you do. It's possible. But when you get into that mind reading, you actually end up creating the situation you're trying to avoid because your brain always wants to prove itself right. So if you're sure that you know what the other person means, no matter what they say, you are going to interpret it that way. And I admit, I likely do this with my mother, as I was just talking about, where she might be saying things sometimes, and sometimes my my man will say, I'll say, oh, can you believe what she said to me? And he'll go, I don't think that was mean. I think that was blah, 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 you know, or I think she meant this, or I seemed nice to me. It actually seemed like a compliment. And meanwhile, I'm taking it as a negative. And so, because our brains, right, go after this stuff. I talk a lot about the reticular activating system, or RAS for short. Remember, your RAS is a little messenger between your conscious and your subconscious minds. And so whatever you are thinking really unconscious or subconsciously, whatever you're thinking down there, your conscious mind will look for. So I use the example all the time of how if you're um, you know, going to buy a new car and you're thinking of that car and you've been looking at Nissan Pathfinders for a while because you really want to buy one, and you start to see them everywhere on the road. They're everywhere. You start to see Nissan Pathfinder commercials you never noticed before on the TV. You hear about it on the radio. You see them everywhere. This is your unconscious mind proving you right. This is your unconscious mind. It, it believes it got a, a, an actual, not just message, but demand, a, you know, like saying, go look for Nissan Pathfinders. And that's what it did. So if you think you're reading minds, a lot of times that's the same thing. You're so sure what your partner's going to say that no matter what they say, you hear it in a certain way. So it's really important to get out of that uh, mindset and you know how you feel when someone does this to you. You hate it. Of course you do. 
oh, I know what you were going to say, so I didn't even ask. I want to just run screaming naked through the woods when people say that to me. It makes, I'm not going to do it, don't worry. It makes me very upset. So, and if you are so sure what the other person's going to say, why aren't you trying a different approach so you can get a different response? Why are you using it as an excuse to not say anything yourself and let things stay the same? Think about it. So you really want to get out of that mindset of having that either as an excuse or again, why are you setting yourself up to fail? I, it's interesting. I, um, had a situation not long ago and somebody was really tailgating me and I really felt like I was in danger. And I, so I pulled over. So I let the person go and my, uh, a friend of mine was in the car with me and he said, um, he, he said, what, why'd you, why'd you pull over for that guy? What, what were you doing? And I, I said, well, oh, he was tailgating me really close and it felt, you know, felt that I felt uncomfortable. And he said, well, why'd you pull over? That's ridiculous. If he's tailgating, he's doing the wrong thing. So you shouldn't, you know, give into that. And And I said, well, I don't even know this guy, so I'm never going to see them again. And it was like some young kid behind me. Uh, I I said, so here's the, what I see as the options. Either I, if I really do believe that he's dangerous, this person behind me, I'm either stupid and in my ego to stay in front of them, uh, or I have to decide that they're not dangerous and I can just stay in front of them. But I can't decide they're dangerous and stay in front of them because that's, that's crazy town. It's like watching someone with a gun running down the street and deciding to just stand there. You know, I would get out of the way. So there's this way I think that our egos get involved in what we're sure we're right about, you know, we're, we're right. And so uh, we, we get kind of caught up in that. So I just, you know, I'm going to ask you, remind you, warn you, whatever word you want to use, that... You don't want to get caught up in your ego of what you're sure of. And you definitely don't want to get caught up in doing the same thing, having this approach. If you do believe you're going to get a certain response, really think about it. And again, asking questions is a good way out. You'll know I, I beat on this horse a lot because it works. It works. It works. It works. It works. So again, if you're in the situation and you think someone's going to say a certain thing to you, think about saying something different to them first. Think about setting that up differently first. Now, also what people do with this, I think, is they set, they set other people up. Um, I had a, a couple in my office, this is a while ago now, but she was very mad at her husband because uh, he got her, I don't even remember now, for her, their, their anniversary. He got her a gift she didn't like. It was bad. And it was really bad. It was very off. And her thing was, she said, he should know what I want after 18 years of being together, he should, he should know what I like. And I stopped her right there. I said, no, no, no. You know, this setup that I'm going to prove how much you love me. I'm going to look and see how much you love me by what you get me or, you know, what you do for me. Um, that's not a good way to go. Now, was this the most thoughtful guy in the world when it came to gifts? No. Did he need to up his game? Yes. But we get there in a different way. We don't get there by feeling abandoned, rejected, all that good stuff um, because of a gift. That, that's not the way to go. So I really, again, want you to, if you get out of this idea that you can read someone's mind or that they can read yours, if you have a problem or something's upsetting you, you got to say it. Say it out loud. Put on your big boy pants, put on your big girl pants and say it. Don't expect them to assume or know or any of that. Just get out of that. So, okay. 
And again, you want to set others up to win. You know, let them know what you're thinking that sets them up to win. Okay, so we're in the five signs you're in an unhealthy relationship, going over the acronym CRAVE. The C was criticism, the R was reading minds, and the A is attacking or blaming someone. When you attack and blame someone else, think about this. Who has the power? Yeah, take a minute, mull that over in your head. If you're attacking someone else, you're blaming someone else for what's going on, you're attacking them. Who has the power? Is it you? No, it's the other person. When you're so angry that you attack and blame them, now they have all of your power. The control belongs to them because attacking and blaming others avoids personal responsibility. That's right. You're basically putting the other person on the defensive, deciding that it's all their fault or mostly their fault. And the focus and attention is off of you and what you can do and onto them and what you know they're either doing or not doing. This way of thinking will get you into so much trouble, I can't even tell you. So don't, don't attack or blame. And really notice when you do this, because there's a way, and when I say attack, um, I think people think, well, I don't do that. You know, I'm always calm and I'm always clear. Yeah, you can be, I think, even more attacking sometimes and more blaming with the nice voice, with that very sweet, kind, <laughs> seeming approach. So attacking, I think, in a lot of ways doesn't necessarily look like a lot of anger or, um, you know, yelling or screaming or things like that. I think attacking often is, again, a, it's an intention. It's a place you're coming from. It's, you know, where the motivation is that you're going to get the other person, that you're going to show them, uh, or that you're feeling like, again, you're going to go after them so that you end up putting all your power in their hands. If someone made you that angry to attack them and blame them for something in your life that are so hopeless or helpless or resentful, it's one of those, it's one of those things. You don't attack people or blame them when you're feeling happy, hopeful, (laughs) excited, compassionate, patient. When any of those words are happening, attack and blame are not there. So think about it. If you're, if you're in that other place The other person has the power and your job is to get back in your power, you know, come back to yourself and find yourself again. That that's your job in that. Okay. So that's unhealthy sign. Number three, attack and blame. So let's get on to number four. So the fourth sign to know if you're in an unhealthy relationship is the V of crave, which is acting like a victim. You are not a victim in this world. Now, there's a lot of people listening right now, and I can tell you this, that it is very possible and even probable that many of you have been victimized. I've been victimized. People have been victimized. That's, that's not an uncommon thing, sadly, in our world. But being a victim or acting like a victim are two different things. That These are not the same things. And it's very, very important and imperative and crucial that you start to separate those things. The world can be a difficult and unfair place. And again, I think most of the people I talk to, again, my job is sort of skewed clearly, but I'm thinking of my personal world too. I think most of the people I meet have been victimized at some point in their lives in some way. That can be in a very you know extreme way or a very subtle way. So maybe being victimized is some, often unavoidable, but Acting like a victim is optional. 
Never think poor me. This type of thinking does nothing to help you move forward in your life or your relationship. Now, let me be clear. I am not saying you can never have yourself a little pity party (laughs) when bad stuff happens. It's actually important to take a step back and lick your wounds, do all that. It is important to grieve, mourn, and feel bad. It it's it's critical actually. It's about not living in that, however. And here's what's hard about victimization is that there's no time limit. There's no clear, oh, if you've been raped, you're allowed to be upset for two weeks. If you've uh if you're someone in your family was murdered, you're allowed to be upset for two months, you know, whatever. That's crazy talk, right? That's insane. So what's hard is to know where does this stop and begin? And again, then those are extremes, murder, rape, you know, things that are violent, having any kind of violence perpetrated against you. Those things are, are obviously way on one end of the spectrum. And I think that so many people, however, have a lot of things that happen to them that are on the other end of the spectrum that, that also hurt greatly. So, we're in situations with our partners sometimes where we feel like victims, where we feel like there's nothing I can do. No matter what I do, this happens. Um, you know, maybe your partner, I worked with a couple, it's a great example where the wife had, uh, wife was a stay at home mom and the husband worked and, um, they were having a lot of tension issues in the marriage. And he had a kind of job where he had a lot of cash income and he would keep a lot of the cash and not tell her about it. And she had no way to track this. She had no way to know, uh, no way to be sure where the money was or wasn't. Um, and it was really frustrating to her. And she felt victimized by it because he would make decisions with the money. He would do things. He would help one of their children. They had some issues with their children. And he would like sneak the one kid money who was a, actually a drug addict and was really upsetting to the wife because she knew it was enabling uh, their child and making things worse. And she just felt so, as you can imagine, helpless and hopeless in this situation in so many ways. She didn't want to um, be divorced. She wasn't sure that that was the road for her. And uh, But these things were happening that felt out of her control. And so being feeling like a victim and feeling helpless or hopeless in her life became a real uh, bigger issue and something that was sort of constant, which was terrible. So this, not okay. Not okay. So yeah, sitting in it for a minute, and, th- and this probably sounds more familiar to some of you than the... Um, you know, acts of violence and that kind of thing. So again, I put you anywhere on there. So in this example, you know, to use this example, I I really worked with this wife around what she could control. You know, when, when we're in our circumstances and we're trying to figure this stuff out, we need to focus on what we can control and acting like a victim is really, uh, just not going to be helpful no matter what. Now, now, there's something called uh, the happiness formula that was created by um, Martin Seligman. I think it was Mark Seligman. I hope so, out of the University of Pennsylvania. Um, you can comment if, if I got that wrong. But uh, he laid out the happiness formula as uh, H happiness equals S plus C plus V. And the S is your set range, the C is your circumstances of your life, and the V are the factors under your voluntary control. I know. 
So, and again, this kind of enduring level of happiness, not just like, you know, bursts of positive feelings when you have a hot fudge Sunday, buy something or have sex, but the actual sort of enduring level of happiness. And you have your set range, which I'm not going to get into right now, but is basically your genetics, which take up, it seems about 50% of how happy or unhappy you are, how positive or negative you are. Um, but the, the circumstances, your life circumstances and your voluntary control are big ones. So, you know, and again, here's an example with this couple, the circumstances, she felt like she wanted to stay married. Um, you know, they weren't going to move or something like that. Just sort of your, the circumstances are things like that, you know, school, education, marriage, you know, the, the kind of pieces of your life that put it together. But voluntary control, what you can control, this is where the majority of your attention needs to be. When we focus on what we can control, we stop blaming others and we start taking full responsibilities for our lives. And, you know, we know from the research that people have a higher, what we call an internal locus of control. So in other words, where they think the control comes from are more optimistic and report higher satisfaction with life than those who report a higher external locus of control, you know, people who think the control is outside of themselves. So this, anyway, so this is a really big deal, but I'm going to get into more of that when we talk about um, there are five ways to get out of an unhealthy relationship or to fix an unhealthy relationship in a minute. But just to give you a little heads up about the victim thing, that's really, you know, the answer is to take some sort of action to get out of that role. So again, mourning, you know, being in a pity party, doing that, is all well and good, but to live there isn't well and good. And if, God forbid, something horrible did happen to you, um, getting attacked, let's say, in some way, and you know you never left your house again and it affected the rest of your life, then, then that's, that's, that's not okay with me. <laughs> that's not something I want for you. I, I want you to live a full, healthy, robust, wonderful life and not have one event decide the course of your life and, or not in a negative way anyway. So that one event can decide the course of your life in hopefully a positive way. So maybe you become a victim's right advocate. Maybe you get into therapy and really change your your relationship to yourself and other people. And just, you know, in a small way and that kind of, well, it's a big way if you, you know, are different to your family and they go out in the world and they're different. I mean, it's a wonderful thing, but do you see what I'm saying? So I really, I really want you to look at whether or not you're acting like a victim in your life. If you think that everything is out of your control and there's nothing you can do, that's a big, big problem. Uh, okay. And the last sign that you are in an unhealthy relationship, the E of crave is acting entitled. This is when you or your partner are acting like you're owed something and no one owes you anything, not your partner, not your parents, not your friends. Thinking that there's something that should come your way is an issue, whether it's you thinking it or your partner thinking it. So feeling you're owed sets the other person up for failure because you're focusing on what they should do instead of what they are doing. So it's all about what they should do, not what they are doing. That's what entitlement does. It sets up this expectation of a certain thing. So, and we end up very sad. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> we end up feeling uh, like no one ever is ever good. We're never good enough. No one else is ever good enough. Nothing ever reaches the bar because we the bar is so high. We end up feeling dissatisfied in our lives, more negative. It, it, it is not a good thing. 
And I know people think, well, people do owe me respect. People do. I, I'm in the world. I expect that. You know, that it, this is a very fine line. So I, I really want to take a minute and talk about this. It's different to have a high standard. I'm okay with you having a high standard. And if you have a high standard that people treat you with respect, I think it's an excellent one, by the way. And you have to think, but you're not entitled to just have respect just because. So if I start a new job and nobody knows me and no one knows who I am, they might be somewhat disrespectful to me. They might not uh, think I know much. They might uh, look at me. You might be a a 20-year-old, very attractive female and get into a job and people treat you like a piece of meat and not like a smart, vibrant, you know, incredible woman that you are. They treat you maybe like a little girl. This is disrespectful. Absolutely. This is not your standard. So what I would say to you is you could quit that day. You could, you could walk off and go, well, I, they shouldn't do that. I deserve to be treated with respect. They don't even know me. How dare they? You can do all that. You can be right all day long. However, you will not have a job and you probably will never have a job until you're like, you know, 50 year old, 50 years old and maybe no one wants you. I don't know what to tell you. You got to get out of that. So instead, I would say to you, go prove yourself, go show them that they're, that they're horrible to treat you this way, that they're, that they're prejudiced and and without even knowing it, that they're sexist, that they're whatever, and go prove yourself. Now, if you're at that job a while and you're proving yourself, but other people take the credit, other people, you know, you still get treated in that way, then your standard is not being met over time. And it might be time to leave that job. That's a little different. But to not even try to just assume right off the bat that I just deserve this and they're not going to give it to me, so I'm out of here, that will get you into trouble. So you really want to have this high standard. I totally want you to. I support that a 1,000%. But don't feel entitled to that high standard. Figure out a way to make it happen. Now, uh, I always have you like shit disturbers who email me and go, well, what if I'm getting hit in a relationship? What if someone's beating me? And, and you're never the one who's getting beaten because those women don't write that way or those men don't write to me that way. Just going to say, uh, you're just being a shit disturber. So I'm just telling you that right now. And obviously, <laughs> if you're having violence or something else, uh, it's not entitlement. It's just that you know, that's just a whole other thing. We're not, we're, we're comparing apples and oranges here. Let, let, get over yourself. So, so don't, don't do that crap. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? And I know you do. So, so don't try to find the little out or the little loophole. This is what it is. Don't act entitled. Don't believe that everybody owes you anything because they don't. So keep your standards high, your expectations low. I talk about this all the time, but hang in there with that, you know, uh, really hang in with your standard, but not with the entitlement. And those are two different things. So, okay. So we just went over the five signs that you're in an unhealthy relationship and we use the acronym CRAVE. So criticism, reading minds, attack and blame, acting like a victim and being entitled. All of those, that's your CRAVE. Those are when, if you're doing it or if your partner is doing it, any of them, you can just have one of these, then there's something unhealthy going on. Now, if you only have one of them, and it's very rare, then I wouldn't say you have a super unhealthy relationship. Sounds like it's pretty good. But if you only have one of them and it's every day, it's all the time, then it's a problem. So it's not like how many you have of the five. (laughs) It's how often it's showing up in your relationship. That's the issue. Okay. So you have these five things and you're sitting going, well, well, now what? 
and <laughs> so you, so again, if, if you want a healthy relationship, you can't crave and neither can the other person. Now I've got five things to help you create a connected, happy and fulfilled relationship. And you can remember these strategies by what I say is bringing some flair into your relationship, <laughs> some flair, F-L-A-I-R. We're going to go over them, uh, the five signs of, you know, in five ways or strategies to be in a healthy relationship by flair. Okay. So sign number one, thing number one, you got to do strategy. Number one is F is focus. So focus on the here and now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you want an awesome relationship, you've, you've got to be in the here and now. I say it all the time. I know you're sick of hearing it. I don't care. This means you need to be present and focused on what's happening now. Don't think about what happened yesterday or what you're worried will happen tomorrow. Those, those aren't happening now. Each day, take what your partner does on the face value of that day only. So don't think, well, sure, he's acting nice today, but it's only a matter of time until he starts acting like a jerk again. This type of thinking only sets your partner up to not even try now, of course you're right. Their behavior won't magically change overnight, but do you think they'll continue to try if you never give any credit or props for those times they get it right? If you only focus on when they get it wrong, they're going to stop trying to even get it right. They'll think, why bother? It's never good enough. It's never enough. That's what happens. So I see this over and over. I'll you know, work with a couple or work with one person and They'll, you know, let's say I'm with a couple and they'll say, oh yeah, you know, oh, he was good this week. Yeah, he was better. She did this this week. Oh, she wasn't nagging me, but, but, and then I hear the, but, and I really want to just, you know, smack people about the head. So what's the, but, but we've, we've been here before. I hear that we've been here before. And then we just slip back in all behavior. There's that reading minds again. (laughs) No, 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 baby. So it's because you're afraid of slipping back into the old behavior that the old behavior comes back. I'm going to say that again for you. It is because you are afraid of the old behavior coming back that the old behavior comes back. That's, that's how it works. You get caught up in what was before and how long it went on and you see this new behavior and it scares you because I'll tell you why it scares you. You know why it scares you. It is, it hurts a lot more to fall from the 10th story of a building than from the first story of a building. Both hurt, but boy, that 10th one might kill you. 
And the first floor, you might just have a broken leg or something, you might live. And that's why. That's why you don't do it. You don't want to get your hopes up. You don't want to start putting your eggs in this basket. But what the heck are you doing if you're not? So, but don't even go there. Don't even go to the hopes up or the eggs in a basket or anything else because that's future tripping. That's in the future. That's not now. (laughs) Just be in the moment, in this very, very second. This is one of my favorites. You know, I'll be with my kids and we'll be on vacation, let's say, or something. And we're out. It's beautiful. And they're saying, oh, what are we going to do tomorrow? I'm like, we're, we're, we're out right now. We're on this beautiful boat. Maybe we're, you know, I was thinking this time we're in Monterey and we're looking through the glass bottom boat. It was really cool. And there was otters and all this kind of stuff. And it was really fun. And they were talking about what they were going to do the next day. And I'm like, could we just enjoy this for a second? Or sometimes we're doing something like that. And they're already talking about being back in school. Oh, summer's almost over. Oh, summer's almost over. Are you freaking kidding me? We're it's, it's July. You, <laughs> we have a little time till summer's over. And if you don't enjoy now, what are we doing? This happens all the time in every kind of relationship. And I think especially in a love relationship. We start focusing on the future, what if, what, what, da, da. And we, or we were freaking out about the past and what was and how it might come back. So we don't even take a moment to be in the moment, to enjoy this second. And I have this, you know, when I'm eating something I maybe shouldn't be eating, uh, I really try to just enjoy eating it, you know, not get into that I shouldn't be eating it or, oh, I got to get in the scale tomorrow or what's going to happen later or anything else. I just try to really enjoy how it tastes in my mouth right now, how, oh, I'm closing my eyes, how yum it feels in my, you know, the mouthfeel, how good it tastes. Just try to be in the moment with it. If you can do this with everything, you'll see a huge, huge change in your life. So I want you to draw a line in the sand and start with today. What are you and your partner doing today? Today, not tomorrow, not next week. That's what counts. What are you doing today? Okay. So sign number one, your strategy number one for getting in a healthy relationship or making your relationship healthy is to focus on the here and now. Number two, for a rockin' relationship, the L of flair is love. Hello? That wasn't a hard one, was it? I say all the time that you can't make someone love you, but you can love them. If you want to see more love in your relationship, be more loving. I say this over and over again to the couples I work with, over and over, and all the people I work with. If you're acting nasty, fearful, and angry all the time, how do you expect a love relationship to grow? Love begets love. It's as simple and hard as that. It's so easy to act loving to your partner when you're both in a loving place, isn't it? Oh, everybody's lovey. I love you, baby. It's like so simple. I love you too. You're the best. No, you're the best, right? That's That's easy. What's tough, what's hard is to act loving when your partner isn't. And I would tell you, I think that's the actual definition of love. But isn't that when you need to love the most, when they're, when they're not acting loving, when they're not there, when they're not in the, in the room, that's really when they need you. And I know this happens to me and I will tell you, it happened to me yesterday. How do you like that? Yesterday. I, well, I don't know when you're listening to this, but it was my yesterday. Yesterday, um, my 
partner got, he just got in this funky mood, funky, funky mood. And when he gets in a funky mood, I love you, baby. But when he gets in a funky mood, he, he can sometimes get a little cold with me. And I don't know if cold's the right word. He just sort of shuts down. And I think a lot of men do this. I don't think this is an odd thing. He's not mean or anything. He's not, you know, nothing like that. But he just sort of, there's a distance. He just kind of pulls away. And, you know, my stuff comes up, as you might imagine. I feel abandoned or rejected. I sometimes get into, uh, you know, the right or wrong, my correct or effective thing. I start to get correct instead of effective. I start thinking, well, I didn't make you mad. What the hell? Why are you being this way with me? Why am I getting this? So, you know, I can get all caught up in that. And really, and, you know, he's not touching me like he usually does. He's a big toucher, my man. Uh, you know, he's not kind of on me. He's not looking at me like I'm magic, which is what he usually does. <laughs> you know, none of that's happening. And it's a struggle. It's really hard for me. But I did. You know, I, I and I'm not saying I did it perfectly, so let's all be clear. Uh, but, you know, I, I came back. I pushed through. I moved towards him. I made sure I touched him even when he wasn't touching me back. I told him I loved him. I kissed him. I, you know, and I didn't, it's not about running after the person and kissing their ass because that feels a little weird. And let me just tell you, that's out of fear. So be very careful of this. You don't want to do things out of fear. You want to do them out of love. So I wasn't trying to get him to be different or anything like that. I was very clear with my intentions. I was very much checking in with myself. I went to a place of something upset him. I don't understand it, but he has the right to be upset. And I love him. So I'm just going to stay loving until he can come back to me. And it's certainly a lot easier to come back to a nice warm fire than to a cold frozen, you know, tundra, right? (laughs) So you think of that. Okay. And really be clear now, because I will tell you this, that, uh, I had a couple of my, I always have a couple in my office, don't I? Well, I see a lot of couples. So I did have a couple in my office. This is a while ago now, but I use this example a lot and it was amazing. And the two of them had, they had sort of had an argument in front of me, like, like this, this thing that was a big deal for them that they were working on. And, uh, I usually don't let my couples just sit and rehash crap because they just end up feeling crappy, but this was a little different and they really had to go to this place and I really needed to see what it was. I I wasn't understanding when they were talking about it. So they kind of went there and, uh, but they actually were kind of breaking through and sort of moving through it. It was, it was interesting to watch, but there was a lot of tension in the room. I mean, like a lot of tension in the room. And the wife said to the husband, she goes, well, I love you, baby. You know, I, I love you so much. This is so hard. And she said, and she said, I just need to hear you love me. And he looked at me and he said, I hate when she does this. And she got very upset and said, look at this. This is what I live with. I can't even tell him I love him without him getting upset. And I told her that I understood why he got upset. I got why he got upset because she said, tell me you love me because she was fearful, not because she loved, because she was feeling loving at the moment. She was afraid. And so it was clingy. It was grasping. It was chasing. It was stifling. It was things that aren't loving. And you know, you've had someone say things like this to you. And this upset she had, because he did, he, and he said, he goes, look, now I'm the bad guy, because I won't say I love you when we're in this kind of place. You know, I don't, I don't feel it. I'm, of course I love you. I'm in couples therapy with you. Of course, you know, I'm here battling to, to keep this relationship, you know, in a great place. And so, of course I do. But when you ask in those moments... And, and again, he didn't have words for it, so he didn't understand. He just felt like a piece of shit. He just felt bad. 
that he wasn't saying I love you back, but he felt, and sometimes he would, and he hated it because he didn't, he wasn't feeling it. And that's a good example of when it's not love, when it's, it's, it's fear. And that's, that's not what you want. So, but love itself, truly loving, truly digging deep and going, okay. So what she could have been was just there and she could have asked questions and she could have, you know, brought him around. She could have, you know, could have tried to see if there was a way in or to understand him differently. And again, when you have the focus on the here and now, you can notice when you're feeling afraid, you can notice when you're feeling upset and not get pulled by that because you don't want, feeling fear is fine. Having fear run the show is not. Having fear change your thoughts and behaviors is not okay. So you really want to be able to notice that and shift from it. So again, loving someone is a wonderful thing. Showing them love, being loving doesn't always mean saying I love you. So doing something in that. So on a daily basis to act out of love, not fear in your relationship, rock star stuff. Okay. We're doing flair, the strategies, the five strategies for bringing your uh, relationship to a very healthy place. And we, the F was focus on the here and now, the L was love. And the A of flair is, you guessed it, to ask questions. I know you're so sick of hearing this. I don't care. You got to ask questions. So remember, it's important not to sack, not to make suggestions, give advice or criticize. So when I say that to people, they usually ask, well, what's left? If I'm not making suggestions, offering advice or criticizing, what is there? So I want you to start asking questions instead of making statements. Don't assume you know. Listen like you're wrong. That's one of my favorite little quotes. I didn't make that up. Listen like you're wrong. If you were wrong, wouldn't you be asking questions so you could figure out how to get it right or to understand what the other person was saying or understand how to do it better? Wouldn't you? Yeah. So imagine going into your love relationship and you're having an argument with your partner and imagine listening like you're wrong. What would you be asking? So if you thought to myself, well, if I had thought that yesterday with my partner and thought, well, I must be wrong somehow, what was I doing wrong? You know, what was I doing? And it's a different focus. It's a different way to be. And it doesn't mean to blame yourself because remember from um, Crave earlier, you don't want to attack or blame. And that includes you. You don't want to do it to yourself either. So it's not about blame, but responsibility is a different thing. Do I have responsibility here? What, and what is it? What is my responsibility here? And identifying that and figuring it out is huge. Okay. Let's get to the eye of flair, which is invest a hundred percent. So investment, one of the most critical things you can do in your relationship in general is put in 100% effort. I say this all the time. If you put in 50% at your job, would you expect raises and promotions? No, of course not. So why do you think it's okay to put 50% in your relationship? If you want to get intimacy, laughter, connection, awesome sex, out of your relationship, you've got to look at what you're putting into your relationship. And the key is to focus on your 100%, not the other person's effort. Don't worry about them putting in their 100% and never make your 100% effort contingent on your partner doing the same. I call that relationship gridlock when everybody's waiting for everyone else to do something. 
that's, it's keeping score. You don't do that. Well, you did this. So I'm going to do this. You took Bobby to tennis practice on Wednesday. So I'll take Sophie on Thursday. You're keeping score. Don't do it. So you're going to lose. If you keep, I say it all the time. If you're keeping score in your relationship, you're going to lose. You want to give a hundred percent of yourself with love And you want to watch the magic happen because that's what happens. When you put out 100% effort, it's amazing. Again, just like when you do at work or somewhere else. Or if you're you're taking up tennis and you put in 100% effort. If you're working on a project, if you're, I don't care what it is. If you put in 100% effort, you will see incredible outcomes. You will every time. But when you put in your effort and only think, well, I'm going to do this until, and it's contingent, you know, it's like, it's, it's based on something else. That's not actually hundred percent effort. That's not uh, unconditional. That's not putting all in that's waiting. And people pick up when you're waiting, they can tell. And that comes back to, you know, earlier when we talked about, oh yeah, my partner's doing this now, you know, he's being nice now, but how long is that going to last? And you're sort of waiting, your partner picks up on that because you're not, think about that. So if I'm just waiting for them not to be nice anymore, how am I acting? Am I acting fully engaged and excited? Am I showing them all that? No, because I'm holding myself back because I'm afraid. I'm afraid. So I'm holding myself back. It's the reason you don't invest hundred percent. You're afraid. Stop being afraid. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) You can't have a love relationship based on fear. Say it all the time. Can't have it. So what do you do? You put in 100%. And I'll tell you the big complaint I hear from folks or the the thing they're scared about, and they'll say that. Well, what I'm worried about, and as soon as you say that, you realize you're coming from fear, but what you guys worry about is being taken advantage of. I hear it all the time. Oh, I already do so much. If I put in 100%, oh my gosh, that's I'll, I'll never be able to sleep. I didn't say put in 150%. That's codependency. No, don't put in 150%. Put in 100%. And 100% means that you know where your boundaries are. You know what's healthy. You know you're leading with love. You know you're, you know, you have this whole feeling in there. You, You know it, right? You know. And when you do that, when you put that in, it feels great. It feels awesome. So I want you to put in 100% all the time <laughs> and not half-ass it, not, not just do a little. And I would say this to all your relationships. So, you know, I really spend a lot of time focusing on focusing in my relationships on putting, making sure I'm not watching my phone, making sure I don't get, you know, caught up in something, making sure that before I walk in my house, that I take a minute take a breath, close the door on my workday, and really focus on my people, on the people who are waiting for me in that house or who are about to come home to that house. I really do my best all the time before I see a client. I make sure that I really recenter, refocus, get my energy right there for that next client. When I have a little break in between clients, I jump up and down, I shake myself out, I, and I set an intention about really being of service, being helpful. I do it during sessions sometimes. You know, I'll, I'll find myself feeling not connected to my client for some reason. Maybe they're talking about something and I, uh, it's not hitting, that it's, that it's real. I, I'm, not feeling, I'm not feeling it. And I will, in my head, notice that. And set intention, like, okay, whew, let's, let's get focused here. How can I get in there and help? What, what do I need to do to be here in a way that I can really have this person leave my office feeling better? 
having those sort of intentions comes across all the time. I do it before I go into meetings. I do it all the time. I just really want to be there a hundred percent. I really want to bring all my energy to every interaction that I have. And that doesn't mean that I'm jumping around the room, you know, woo, (laughs) all the time, although that can be there too. It does mean that there's this intention, there's this thought, there's a consciousness about it, there's a deliberateness about it. And am I like this 100% of the time? No, of course not. I'm not a robot. I get lost on YouTube. I I say stupid crap. I do all kinds of stuff. Might even do it on this broadcast. I of course I do. This is when I say keep your standards high and your expectations low. Because nobody can do something 100% of the time. But if I'm shooting for 100%, you know, to give myself 100% and I'm doing that the vast majority of the time, it comes across. People pick it up. I'm telling you right now, people pick up on that all the time. And I feel energized by that. I feel connected. I feel closer to people. I feel happier, more satisfied, not drained, not overwhelmed, not taken advantage of, none of that stuff. So in my experience, that's not what's going to happen to you if you do this, again, with full intention and full love (laughs) right in. Okay. Last one. We're almost done. So we're talking about how to have five strategies to make your relationship great. And we do that in the acronym FLARE. So we've had F, focus on the here and now. L, bring the love. A is ask questions. The I is invest 100%. And the R is responsibility. That's your last one. At the end of the day, This is the thing you must do if you want a healthy relationship. You need to take responsibility for your part. Remember, you're not a victim. Your partner doesn't do anything to you. If you hear yourself using this language, I want you to stop and take a breath and think of one thing, I don't care how small it is, that you could do to move the situation forward. That's taking responsibility. It doesn't mean that your partner doesn't also have responsibility. The problem is you can't control that. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I hate it. (laughs) You can't control your partner or what they do, nor should you try. In any situation with your partner or anybody else, again, your kids, your boss, your friend, your sister, I want you to ask yourself, what part of this is mine? What could I do differently moving forward? What's one action I could take? Any of these are the questions to take responsibility, to realize that it's about me, it's about what I do. And the more, I'm going to tell you this, the more you find yourself focusing on other people, if you're at home going over and over what your boss said, he's such an asshole, she's a bitch, bah, 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 going over and over and over, look at that. Look at that. You are just all up about them. You are all up about who they are and what they're doing. And you have no control. You're in a victim position. You're blaming and attacking. I mean, I could go on and on, right? It's terrible. So again, when you notice that, if you can, I want you to shift that and go, whoa, I am putting a lot of energy and effort into this other person. I need to focus on myself. I need to bring that back to me. So there you go. Okay. Wow, we did a lot today. So we did the five signs you're in an unhealthy relationship with the acronym CRAVE. The When there's criticism, reading minds, attack and blame, victimization, acting like a victim and acting entitled. And we talked about how to get out of CRAVE 
by remembering the five strategies of flair, which is focusing on the here and now, bringing the love, asking questions, investing 100%, and rocking your responsibility. Yeah. There you go. That is today's broadcast. I hope you got a lot out of it. I These are things that I teach all the time, and I think people really uh, do well with it. So um, that's what I want for you. Now, I would love uh, to have you uh, come to the website, and you can find this at abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 13, and you can check it out. There's always some resources and links that I hook up down there. I'll have to figure it out, but the show notes will have all of this. If you didn't take notes today when you were listening, you can just download the show notes and, or take a look from them or copy and paste them or whatever else you want to do to have them. And uh, there you have it. So thank you so much for listening. I know you have a lot of ways you could spend your time. I'm always very appreciative that you spend any time at all with me. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.